Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Oh, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Disability Study Channel on New Book Network. Today, I feel very happy to invite the Dr. Sampir um, to introduce her, uh, sorry, his newest book, Trip Talk. So, first thing I want to invite, invite Dr. Sampir to introduce yourself to our audience. Hi. Thank you, Shu, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I'm Joshua St. Pierre. I'm Canada Research Chair in Critical Disability Studies um, and Assistant Professor of Political Science at the University of Alberta in Canada. Um, so I'm pretty new in both of those posts, um, but um, and it was um, challenging actually to try and start um, being a Canada Research Chair during COVID, but it's it's been going well so far. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Sampir. So my next question is that I want to invite you to talk about the reason you take interest in the promising field of disability studies. Um, yeah, so I didn't ever plan on um, this. This wasn't, you know, um, it just kind of one of those things that happened to me. I um, I actually went to, well, the story is I went to Bible school and planning to become a pastor. And then I found philosophy and got hooked on theory. And it was only when I moved to Edmonton to start my graduate studies that um I just happened just as these things go to be um to to be um at this place where there was a big research um project going on on um this called living archives on eugenics in Western Canada and so it was. Um, it was both like telling the um, the story of uh, of eugenics in Western Canada, but it's also really specific in um, um, in its approach and the concern for who tells these stories is actually really important. So anyway, so so I um, hadn't ever thought about my speech, so I stutter even though I'm not stuttering much currently. Um, but I um, hadn't ever th- thought of myself as disabled. I had never, um, you know, understood what disability is really. Um, but it was in that summer where I, like, all of a sudden, it was like, was immersed in the history of eugenics in like this province that I actually had grown up in, and I had no idea that there was like this really ugly ableist history in my backyard so i i came to disability community through um a counter you a counter you 
photogenic, um, you know, project, I guess. And for me, that's why, I mean, that's always what drives my interest in disability studies is that when what whatever we're talking about, whether it's, uh, you know, stigma or accessibility, what what we're talking about is the right or the capacity for disabled people to inherit the world. And it's, it's, um, the question, right? Of like, who, who, who is this world for? And, um, especially against the history of eugenics, um, um, staking out a claim for disability and, um, disabled bodies is, I think, an extremely important political um, investment right now. Okay, thank you, Dr. Sampir. Thank you so much for your answer. So let's now let's go to your book. So my first question is that I want to invite you to talk about how capitalism put speech to work and made it a low-cost string of labor and human capital. Uh, yes. So this is, I, I guess, one of the driving questions of uh, this project. And so I should say uh, that this this book is kind of funny in the sense that I started it. Uh, it was my PhD dissertation that then, you know, over years and years kind of became this weird th- thing. And then at the end of it, I had to turn into a book. So it was actually, you know, it's the weird thing of like, the book represents almost a decade of like you know th- thinking and I and like and myself has changed in that whole time. Anyways, all to say that part of the driving force of this of the book has started with this question of um yeah how communication has been put to work within capitalist economies um and what new forms of or not uh, yeah i guess new new modalities of ableism and disableism are born um when um when communication and speech um becomes really for the first time in history a generalized capacity that um, applies to the whole population, right? So the, so, so um, the, um, the story I trace in the book is that um, is that um, in, prior to the 19th century, <clears throat> having clear and efficient speech on what, what I call fluency um, speech that doesn't have any ticks or repetitions or slurs but is um, is perfect as if this is possible is perfectly rational and transparent right in its meaning and up until the 19th century being a good speaker um, was 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 a more or less a specialized activity reserved for lawyers and priests and, you know, um, the politicians and stuff like this. Right. Um, but, it, um, 
<clears throat> within the 19th century, there's this groundswell of social urgency that came um, around the idea that, hey, having a having a literate and articulate population in general um, is a good thing. And we can trace this with, you know, there's a, there's the Foucauldian story here of, um, of, of uh, making everyday subjects more communicable and articulate is a way to overall increase the power that all these medicalized and other industries have over the biopolitical subject. So it was at the point when speech was both becoming an increased economic resource for the first time, that is to say, um, in so-called Fordist economies, right, there's a relatively silent um, relationship within a system of production, um, because you just, because value is produced by the repetition of standardized, 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 motion standing at an an assembly line and you didn't have to speak to be a valuable worker but as these there's these switches that start to happen in the early early 20th century where communication itself both becomes a valuable commodity that's being circulated Lighted, um in popular media, but it also communication um, networks also become really important to the internal workings of economic systems. So, so it, it isn't enough anymore just to work silently by yourself and do your own job. Being interactive with others on on you know the f- factory floor is becoming more and more important and and the trends and 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 this shift goes on until right now you know we can talk about even though fordism hasn't gone anywhere in some ways it's been expanded um in a post force economy where we can think about all these 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 gig workers like uber drivers um you know freelance copy editors where where it's information that's being traded on um and the speed of it um is actually really important it was all to say that there's this whole process when in which communication has become increasingly internalized within capitalism and as that's happened, uh, communication has become uh, a problem, or, or in Foucauldian times, it, terms, it's been problematized such that the abnormal ab- speaking subject both becomes a target of intervention uh, for itself, right, of trying to um, 
clear away all these impediments to uh, a social field of good speakers. But the disabled speaker also becomes a, a subject, a target of medical scientific study to understand speech and how it works at a more and more intimate level to try and um, optimize um, speaking patterns across the whole social body, whether or not someone identifies as as disabled, right? And so that's in the book I trace in this chapter, the role that the industry of speech language pathology um, has played. And I argue that um, it's an industry of the, the, the means of production. So as you know, like in a fortissey economy, an industry of the means of production would be that which produces the heavy implements, you know, like the very tools that industry is done with um in in for in information economies this work is taken up by um by therapeutic industries like speech language pathology um oh thank you so much dr sampir i really appreciate your answer so my last question about my last question i want to invite you to talk about how the control over process and act of communication via the filtering of unwanted and dangerous noise from the medium of communication rely on depoliticalization of both noise and disability that render communication inert? Um, thank you for the question. I'm, I may repeat it because I recognize that that's like a big question to try and uh, for people to get their hands on. Um, um, let me answer, I guess, just um, by giving a bit of context to chapter two. So if chapter one was tracing the history of um, this tech, of one tech, one historic technology and formation of power over the speaking body um, that that is speech language pathology. Uh, the second chapter takes up um, the question of another form formation of power over the speaking body in the twentieth century, and that's in in formation and communication technologies. Um, so a lot of my interest here is um, the way in which, um, I guess, typically humanistic concerns um, have been translated into technical and systems theory frameworks um, and what gets flattened out in that translation translation so um so um here one of the people that's interesting is um yeah is, is like the mid-century 
cyberneticians um, had a lot of faith in the power of communication. Um, and partly that faith was um, um, tied up in um, Cold War's sentiments, right? And this idea that if um, if the that liberal democracies are defined constitutively by a uh, um, free flow of information, right? There's not there's not state or like ostensibly there's not like state hierarchies that are are you know are feeding um, propaganda and citizens have have good information to make the best use um, yeah the best choices um, and so it was in this term in this, in this time that like a lot of um, values like freedom became translated into uh, inform inform infor information s- systems f- framework where um, there was where the, uh, where the the question here um, is not sort of, when it comes to inf- for for Information theory, the the semantic meaning of a phrase is always secondary. Um, What a phrase means in the end is secondary to the technical problem of contact and and establishing a clean trans a clean channel of trans 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 mission um and so i mean part from what i understand and i don't understand the maths here uh that um that uh how inform how information is understood is a matter of prob a prob Prob- probability, right? And so, but there's there's two kinds of probability that emerge and and are th- thought of differently. Um, so there's 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 um the good probability of, th- and that's what liberal agency is concerned with, right? The the, um, the probability of a speaker could actually say any different any different any different number of things and and that undecidability is 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 the very metric of human agency right um but um so so that's good uncertainty but there's but there's there's also this bad uncertainty that um that were th- things like stuttering it's all this all this 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 background i'm uh, um, noise that has to be treated as background i'm um, noise i'm um, in order f- 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 for the channel to p- protect i'm um, the good uncertainty of the speaker and the problem is that this bad uncertainty it uh it <laughs> 
frays the edges of the channels. And so, so it makes it actually unclear at times what is a message and what is what is what is what is a noise or or or, or what is an intentional a message and what was something that that was unintentional that slipped in via bad uncertainty right so there's always so, so there's this problem of like how do we screen away this bad uncertainty to make space for for in formation to be transferred in a um in a in a clear and unambiguous problem right and so um one of the things that's interesting then is as uh, information theory and its logic become more entangled um with Western governance um, and governmentality. Um, 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 as right, right, yeah. So as as um as the flow bec- as the flow of communication becomes more and more important to on the operation of power, um, the interruption of communication itself. Um, again, becomes an even bigger threat, right? And it's such that Donna Haraway said that the quote the 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 biggest threat to power is the interruption of of communication. Um, so if you so w- one of the things that's really tricky or sneaky about information theory i think is the way in which um noise becomes an almost inherently deep political thing right we're just talking about uh if the efficiency of technical channels at a certain point and within that context they would say like right well who who wants to have a stuttering Zoom call, right? You know, like, you know, like even in like this interview, I'm now, right? They would say, well, you know, I'm noises is the universal enemy, and I mean, I get that in a way, but also there's a, like this concerning way in which there's also this long history of um, specific bodies being being coded themselves as 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 noisy and those kinds of judgments aren't haven't aren't going anywhere like 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 all that's doing is that they're being like swallowed into a larger system and it's becoming harder i'm actually to actually um, name you know what the harm is right of of just wanting fluency right and and i get it there's something but like in which communication has become this unassailable good that anytime you question the value of fluency um 
the the thought is that you know that you're you're just like you're a bull in the china shop right but the the point that i think that the book is making is that there's actually a a, a much wider range uh, in which we can communicate and relate to each other and info capitalism and while it certainly increases the pace and the rate in which we communicate um, you know giving us and inciting more and more opportunities to speak our minds to to um, give feedback right the the kinds of enunciations which are allowed to um, to exist in the world is becoming increasingly 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 narrow and that's partly because of the ways in which in which noise is being depoliticized and filtered out Okay, thank you, Dr. Sampir. Thanks so much for your answer. So let's turn to the next question. Um, I want to invite you to talk about the definition and the function of the talking head. Sure. Um, so the talking head is, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a cheeky term that I came up with to uh, describe more than what it typically denotes, I think, right? So, so, um, so within, right, the common understanding of the talking head is like the shot of, from like the sh- shoulders up of a of just the sh- shoulders and a head in f- frame, and is usually meant to convey in. F- Formation in a very di- direct and and immediate way, but especially in an age of of punditry and YouTube stars, um, talking heads, um, they um, they're. They also have. Uh, it's not just that, right? And they also, um, uh, have become a kind of entity in their own right within info capitalism. Um, a kind of well, in a lot of instances, a talking head is uh is taken to be an 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 expert. Uh, a rational expert who can just can just say things as they are, but um, in other instances, right, talking heads, um, like we think of, um, like like Twitch or YouTube, tubes, tube streamers, um, where their existence on line is as a talking head, um. But they, um, but their their role isn't to inform as an as an expert, you know, as 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 much as it is to um, um, 
entertain, I guess, in a sense, right? So, so, <clears throat> so thinking about like what is it that is common to this idea <clears throat> uh, it, uh, of a t- t- talking head um, in in the book, I think I, I define it as as a machine that forms forms connections with others. Excuse me. Um, um, a machine that f- forms connections with other semiotic components. It it relays information to form to form connections so one so one way to think about it is a talking head is a connection a, a machine that aims to maximize its communicative contact right um so um okay thank you um, so much for your yeah oh, it's okay if i can a little bit. So, so, so that's kind of what it does. But uh, on the other part of the question is, um, what is the function of a talking head, right? Um, and here, um, um, well, here is a lot to say. But in the book, I, 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 I float this idea that there's a a priestly element um to what the the talking head does um and so i mean and there's an argument to be there's an argument to be made in that um that's both cyber that's cybernetics was a kind of of information revolution um greatly akin i think to the the protestant in um, the protestant 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 reformation in the attempt to abolish hierarchies of who has access to information and so there's this, this idea that that came with the in t- t- with the internet and the world wide web that was premised, I think on, you know, equality of, of, inf- of access to information for all. Right. And in some ways, I think one can understand the talking head as, as being part of this new priestly class, right. Uh, um, of, of being, um, part of an infor, inform, information um, where we all sh- share in, in this responsibility of, um, of having access to information. Of course, there's, um, that's not the whole story. And, uh, and, and, and there's all kinds of ways in which these claims to universe, to universal access and equality are actually covering over all kinds 
of hierarchies um, of power and who has access to be heard and who has access to agency. <clears throat> but at least on paper, this idea that the talking head can save us because if we can all just speak our truths loud enough, then and get our 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 message understood, then you know we can bring about social justice. And so I'm not trying to um, push. I'm sorry, I'm not trying at all to undercut the claim to speak truth to power. Um, what I what I'm trying to, what what I am worried about is the ways in which info inf capitalism is has been set up to absorb our speaking truth to power as part of its operating uh, is operating 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 mechanisms so it's really really good at absorbing um people speaking out um <clears throat> for all kinds of for all kinds of reasons so um yeah so the talking head <clears throat> uh it it it's it it plays an important i could argue i i mean i mean i would argue political function but i worry that um critical communities sometimes place too much hope on the power of the talking head okay thank you so much for your answer so dr sampir so my last question today is that i want to invite you to talk about how the deep sorry different speaker uh, the talking head and the troll influence political actions hmm yeah thank you for this question um So I th I think that there's a way in which the talking head and the troll are two sides of the same coin of political action. <clears throat> so um, talking heads and trolls is what it is what we get when we have reduced communication to its 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 to its a neoliberal form of, you know, of human capital. Um, and when we, and when we reduce speech, I'm not just to, to human capital, but to the logic of capital itself. Talking heads and trolls are what we get, right? And in some ways, it's like uh, it's not surprising after like tracing all this 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 history of us continually reducing communication from relational to a transactional activity. Um, it turns out that the kind of action it inspires is also very transactional as well. 
Um, and so, I mean, I don't want to get into to too much theory at the very end of the interview, <laughs> um, but um, all to say is that there um, that I I argue that I think that the talking head, the troll, and the disciplined speaker, are, and they all kind of model a different kind of um, what the Greeks called um, um, parisia, or um, which also is translated as um, as honest speech, as courageous speech, as frank speech. Um, but there's a way in which um, this is right the courage to stand up in the assembly and here we have ableist assumptions of who can stand um, but to 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 speak and to stake one's enunci- to stake oneself to their enunciation even to this the point of 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 death as for Socrates, right? And so there's this ongoing question of what does free, courageous speech that speaks truth to power look like? And for some people, like there's the the Platonic tradition has answered has has answered the question that um that true or that honest speech is that is speech that has is speech that is is spoken by a purified body that that totally encapsulates reason and speaks as a quote unquote vessel of truth and this is the gambit that the talking head makes right and they try to enter discourse within a within a field of e- equality and to keep the field of equality as is but just to gain as much attention as you can right anyways um there's there's limits i think to thinking about political action for disabled people in terms of um equality and representation um insofar i mean and part of these reasons is that there's ways in which being always forced to play on the terms of the able 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 bodied um is is not um a sustainable move for crip culture as we know right um and so so um so while it's true that the that talking heads are always going to be important allies um, for disability communities. Um, I, I, I'm interested in asking what other forms of agency are there for disabled folk that don't turn upon our capacity to, um, to be 
representable as fluent, coherent beings, right? It's when our when our access to to even to even be a political agent um depends upon first our capacity to to speak in a certain way or even to speak at all uh, right um then sh- surely there's deep problems with how we're with how with how agency has been has been conceived and i and I really think that there's something um, about the materiality of uh, of the stuttering body um, that um, that that has important important political lessons it can teach. Okay, thank you so much, Doctor Sunpier. Thank you so much for your introduction, the discussion of your fantastic book. So at the end of our episode. Today, I want to talk to our audience. So, as a disability historian, I highly recommend anybody with strong interest in disability study in communication study to consider buy a copy of Dr. Sampier's newest book, Trip Talk. It's a it's a fantastic book. Thank you so much.